Well, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. I had the best Christmas. I think, um, I think I am more in love with Jesus Christ today than ever before in my life. It's an interesting feeling um, that is rushing through my, uh, my soul. Um, you know, um, this whole message is an interesting message. We're in 1 Timothy uh, you, if you know me, you know me well enough to know that we're not going to linger on Christmas. We're not going not to do a message on the birth of Jesus Christ. We did that Friday. For those that should be in church this morning, they should hear what God's going to say to them because we're back into 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter, and we're looking at the 17th through the 21st verse, which is the very end of the book of Timothy. But I want you to know something. This is, um, this is not a message for you so much. You can listen in. Please do. Please do. But this is a message for me. It's not for you. It's for me to give to you, though. But the instructions are mine. Listen to what... Paul says to Timothy, but never make a mistake about this. This isn't Paul. This is our God Almighty writing to us through the hand and mind of Paul. But he has moved Paul's hands. He has moved Paul's thoughts. And he says to me in verse 17, instruct those who are rich in this present world, not to be conceited or to fix their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share storing up for themselves the treasures of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. O John, guard. I'm sorry, it says Timothy, but I've taken this very personal. Guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoid worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge which some have professed and thus have gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. Father, I take this very serious. I take everything that I read in your words serious as could be. In fact, Father, there is nothing in my life, nothing in my life that I take more seriously than your word. It is everything to me. And I pray, Father, that you would teach me so that I might be able to pass on what you have to say to those who will listen to you. I pray, Father, as I always do, that they don't sense that they have to listen to me because who am I? I am at best, a sinner saved by the grace of an almighty God. 
And so open up our eyes, each of us, so that we might behold absolutely wonderful things from your law. May we take very seriously your words. And so, Father, if you would hide me behind the wonders of your word, I would count that a privilege this this morning. And I thank you for everyone here. I pray you will bless each of them, Father, richly. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. We're going to be talking about money this morning. No wonder very few people came. Let's not forget what we've learned the last few weeks. I want to show you how, how Paul is going to tie all this together. It's, 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 this is really, this is miraculous what we've, got, we've come to. We've learned that contentment should be a part of our lives. That we should be content in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. Paul told us that this contentment was a part of our lives. Look back here in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy and look at the verse, verses 6 and 7 and 8. And he learned and he's teaching that godliness in verse 6 actually is a means of great gain when it is accompanied by contentment. He says in verse 7, we've brought absolutely nothing into this world. We can't take anything out of it either. And so he says if we have food and we have covering, with these we should be content. Now concerning contentment, the same writer, Paul, by the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, said that he understood contentment in his life. He knew how to get along with with, with abundance, and he knew how to get along with very little. And he said that he learned these things. And so I, I tried to teach you as best I know how that contentment is a learned process in your life and in my life. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11, 12, and 13, please mark this place in your Bible, if not especially in your heart. He says, not that I've speak from want. He says, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. And then he says in verse 12, I, I know how to get along with humble means. I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, Paul says, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. I've learned the secret, he says, of having abundance and suffering need. And he says, what I learned, and the secret is that I can handle all things through Christ, who will strengthen me. Now, as you might remember, here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 counsels us against this, this wanting, this desire to be rich. Um, as it says in, in verse 10, the love of money, it's, it's, it'll lead us to all sorts of evil. And so we learned in verses 9 and 10, Paul says, be careful that you seek your contentment from money. Because he says in verse 9, those who want to get rich are going to fall into temptation. 
They're going to fall into a snare and they're going to fall into many foolish and harmful desires. They're going to plunge, that will plunge men into ruin and into destruction. And then he says, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some, of, some people, by longing for this, this, this wanting to have wealth, they've wandered away from the faith, he has said. They've pierced themselves with many a grief or pain. Well, here in verses 17, 18, and 19 of this same chapter, Paul now is going to counsel you and me. He's going to ask me personally, me to instruct those in the congregation who are already rich. Well, let's look. Let's read again carefully. We're to instruct or teach those who are rich in this present world. In other words, you have your finances right now. Things are fine. He is saying, wait, don't be conceited. Don't fix your hope on the uncertainty of these riches. Rather, he says, John, teach the people. Instruct the people to fix their hope on God. He'll supply, richly supply you with all things to enjoy. Tells us again, or tells me again in verse 18, instruct them to do something. To do good, to be rich in good things or good works. Instruct them to be generous and instruct them to be ready to share. Why? Verse 19, so you'll store up for yourselves treasures of a good foundation for the future so that that you might take hold of that which is life indeed. That's, that's talking about eternal things. You see, what we have learned here in this sixth chapter is critical for you and me. We've learned that we can learn to be content. We've also learned that we need to be instructed to do good and to be generous and to be ready to share. To share, as it says here in verses 17 through 20 or 19 to be to share the material wealth the riches that the Lord God has given you and me now I want you to hear something very clearly please never forget as far as the kingdom of God is concerned if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ you must remember this with in everything that you have nothing Nothing, nothing that you have has been given to you to keep for yourself. Nothing that you have been given by God has been given to you to keep for yourself. I have taught from, oh gosh, from the moment I think that I learned this lesson which I don't know now how many years ago it's been. Many. 25, 30, I don't know. Would you turn with me, if you hold your place here, would you turn to me to First Chronicles chapter 29? I want you to see this because I think you ought to mark it. Now, First Chronicles, my gosh, how you find it. It's, uh, if you go to the book of Psalms, middle of the Old Testament, turn to the left. And you'll go past Ezra and Second Chronicles and First Chronicles. It's really kind of close to the middle of the Bible. First Chronicles, the 29th chapter. 
29th is the last chapter, and it's a, to me it's a very famous chapter because it is King David proclaiming to the people what God has done through them and for them and with them. It's the cycle of giving. David states to the people in his prayer. He says in verse verse 10, I wasn't going to do verse 10, but let's look at it. David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. In other words, he is standing before everybody, all the people, and he is now blessing the Lord. So he's allowing them to listen in to his prayer to God. But of course, he's, he's praying so that they might hear what he is saying so that they might understand the God that they worship. And so he is blessing the Lord in verse 10 in the sight of all of the people. And he says this, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. He says in verse 11, You, O Lord, is the greatness. And you, O Lord, the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, he says, everything that is in the heavens and here on this earth, you are. Our dominion. In other words, you, you control it all, dear God. And you exalt yourself as head over all. Now this is what I wanted to get to. Verse 12. David says to the people now, as he prays to God, both riches and honor come from you, God. You rule over all, God. Verse 12. In your hand is power, God. In your hand is might, God. In your hand... It lies in your hand, dear God, to make great and to strengthen every single one of us. So he says in verse 13, Therefore, our God, we thank you. We praise your glorious name. Have you done that? I bet you have. Have you done that recently? Just thank them for what you have. Thank him. Listen to, a, listen to this great verse, verse 14. It's one of my favorite in all of Scripture. David says, but who, who am I? Boy, I can get that. I, I, I get it. I, I, I so get that verse. Who am I? And who are my people, he says, that we should be able to offer as generously as this. He says, because all things come from you and from your hand, we have given to you. That, that's, listen, my, verse 14 is the whole principle I've learned, the whole cycle of giving. Whatever that God has entrusted to me, He has entrusted to me for a reason. And that is so that I would give back to Him. And the sooner you learn that, the better off you are going to be in your life. Never forget what God has given you, whatever it is. It's not to be kept for yourself. Whether it be spiritual or material It is to be used to build the kingdom of God while you're here on this earth. That is the greatest privilege you and I have. We have have the ability to take breath this day. Right now, you're alive. I'm alive. We're alive. Why? Why are we alive? Well, if it's not to honor and glorify God, then you're living for no reason. It's all going to burn. Go ahead and do it. Live for yourself all you want. But one day you're going to be so sorry. I, 
I really do love to watch football. I must admit that to you. It's a, it's, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I really do enjoy it. But it's a love-hate relationship. As I watch, I watch these guys play, and I'm watching now, and sports is nothing like what it was when Jimmy and I was playing. It just wasn't, it's not the same. In, in the day when, when I played, that if I went like this after I did something, when I got to the bench, Don Drysdale would have choked my neck. Who do you think you are? I remember Don, Don Drysdale one time, one, one rookie got in the plate and started digging in. You know, he's just digging in, digging in, digging in. And, and, and the, the guys said they looked at the other dugout and you could see the horror in the faces of the guys in the dugout for this kid that was digging in, digging in on Drysdale. And they say this is true. I wasn't there. They said he walked halfway towards home plate. And he said, hey, you might want to dig that a little deeper because they're going to bury you right there. And he threw the first pitch right at his head. Players in that day didn't like a lot of all this. Now, I watch football, and I see this, and it just bothers me. They, they want all this to themselves, and they don't realize that God has given them the ability to do what they do. And instead of thanking themselves, they ought to be thanking the Lord. Now, if that's true for them, it's true for you and me. And so, please, make a mark in your Bible somehow to, to consider thinking more and more about 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Actually, verse 10 till, well, you read and you see what, you, what it means to you when you read it. Back to 1 Timothy chapter 6, please. Let's close this out. Paul closes out this particular letter going from learning to be content, you to be content in whatever it is that you have. You've brought nothing into this world. You and I are not going to take anything out of it. Job said it, naked I came, naked I'll return. But we also go from learning to be content to be, be able to instruct those who are, are wealthy how to handle their money. Two main issues remain on Paul's mind here in chapter 6. Handling finances, handling contentment. Remember the guy used to ask me when he called me all the time, have have you let anybody steal your joy? How do we handle those two treasures that God has entrusted to you and me? Handling your contentment, yours, you can only deal with yours. You cannot make other people happy. You must... Make yourself contented. And how do you handle your finances? It is, number one, a measure of your spiritual maturity, your finances, and your contentment. And it also demonstrates your devotion to Jesus Christ. How you handle your contentment and your finances. To tie this together, we need to realize what you and I are called to be. We are called to be stewards. Do you know that? We, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, this, I can see these two verses on the left-hand side of my Bible about midway down. I know exactly where they are. It says this, Let everyone regard you in this manner. Oh, this is how people ought to see me. 
It says, let everybody regard you in this manner as a servant of Jesus Christ. That's how I am to be regarded. That's how you're to be regarded, but I can't make you. I can just tell you. Not only as a servant of Jesus Christ, but also as a steward of the mysteries of God. He says, in this case, it is required of a steward that he be found or she be found trustworthy. That's my, that's my responsibility on this earth. When people see me, they ought to see me as a servant of Jesus Christ, a steward of the mysteries that God has given to me, and that I be found trustworthy. You see, you and I, like it or not, have been given a responsibility to protect and manage what the Lord God has given us. In your case, in my case, it might be your spouse. How do you handle her? How do you handle him? That is a responsibility that you have. Does your life, does your wife, gentlemen, know that she is loved? Is there any doubt in her mind that you are her husband? In other words, you love her like Christ loves the church. Is there any doubt that your family, that you love them? The Lord has given you the responsibility to manage and protect your family, your spouse, your job, and your wallet. How do you handle your finances? <laughs> now to top off your responsibility, I, I, Pastor John, have been given a charge by God as well, and that's to instruct you. One of my responsibilities is to teach you how to handle the money that God has entrusted you. That's in verses 17, 18, and 19 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. That's written to me. I am to instruct those who are rich in this present world. I am to instruct them to do good. Not to be rich financially, but as it says in verse 18, to be rich in good works. I'm to instruct you to be generous and ready to share. I'm to instruct you to store up for yourself treasures, not here on earth, but in heaven. You see, Paul has already pursued or discussed the issue of pursuing earthly treasures. And he has told us, you and me included, that to pursue after earthly pursuits, treasures, uh, recognition, whatever it is, it can be devastating if you're not careful. If that's all you want, well, we are warned, it can plunge you into ruin and destruction if you're not careful. And some, by longing for it, it says in verse 10, have, have wandered away from the faith. Look, I've seen it. I've been in ministry long enough. I've seen it. I've seen people run, ruin their lives because of the pursuit of money. Wander away from the faith because of the pursuit of riches pursuit of riches now 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 hear this i've said it every time i want to say it again god is not 
God is not condemning those of you who are rich. He, he is asking you to enjoy it, to enjoy it immensely. But what he calls you to do is to, is to exercise a proper stewardship upon the God-giving resources that you've had. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, You shall remember it's the Lord your God, for it is He, it is He who has given you the power to make wealth. You've not done it yourself. I know some people like to think, you know, I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty uh, eager to work. You know, I'm very energetic. I think I've done this on my own. Let me tell you something. You have not done it on your own. It is God who has given you the power to make this wealth. Now, as your pastor and as your friend, and I, I want to consider myself a friend to each and every one of you if I could. I know it's, 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 not, it's not a great friendship because I don't hang with you all the time, but I do love you. And so as your pastor and hopefully your friend, to those of you who have been blessed or, I would say, cursed, with the responsibility of wealth, I want you to desperately remember that it is God who has given you the power to make this wealth. You did not do it on your own. Let me say for the third time this message, don't forget, it is God who has given you whatever it is He has given you, not to be kept for yourself. Whether it be a spiritual blessing or a material blessing, it is to be used to build up the kingdom of God. Watch, watch how God ties this together, please. You, let's say, have been given the gift of um, helps, have been given the gift of administration, have been given the gift of, um, it doesn't matter, whatever the gift is that you have, you're not to keep that for yourself. You're to use that to build up the kingdom of God. That's the sole purpose you have been given, whatever gift it is that God has given you. All of us, all of us who have come to Christ have been given a gift. And if you're not using it, you are hoarding it to yourself. And I'm telling you, one day when you stand before God, you're going to be so sorry you didn't use it. Number one, you're going to be sorry you didn't use it because once you start to use it and you really find out what your gift is and you use it, you're the one that gets all the blessings. But to hoard it to yourself, that's a, that's a terrible place to be. The same thing is true with finances. Paul does not condemn the rich. He doesn't ask the rich to give away everything that they have. That's not, what, that's not what's being said here. He's not asking you to take a vow of poverty. That is unless you want to. That's, that's all your own decision. I had one guy come to me a long time ago. And, he, and he, this was a long, long time ago when, when it was easy. Guys were making money hand over fist. And, and this guy was wanting to be in ministry with athletes. Now, this was well before I was in the church ministry. This was when I was doing with ministry with the Dodgers, the Angels, the Rams, and the Raiders, and, and the teams that were here. And it was really a lot of fun. And it was pretty popular, um, the position I had. I had people coming after me that wanted to take away this ministry. I can't even begin to tell you. I, if I could talk to you a little bit about that. Guys that came in, tried to worm their way into the team. I can tell you, I, I know about 10 pastors that, that would tell the people. I'd ask them to come and speak. I'd ask the pastors to come and speak to the, the Rams. 
And I'd hear the following week someone from their pastor say, oh, I never knew our pastor is the, pa- is the chaplain with the Rams. No, he's not. I am. Well, he wants to be, but he's not. I can't tell you how many times that happened. And so uh, well, as it's ministry with the athletes, I had a guy come to me, and he wanted to do what I did. He wanted to have a ministry, and he was kind enough to ask me to tell me that he wanted to take it away from me. It was very, very kind of him, you know. And he said that he, he, wanted, he wanted to make his life count on a spiritual level. And I said, man, that is admirable. I, hope you, I, want you to, I will help you in any way that I can. And I said, what do you do with your life? He's a believer. He loved the Lord. He says, I, I support missionaries. I said, do you really? He says, yeah. I says, uh, how, where? Which, who? A guy? He says, oh, no. He says, uh, he says, I support probably, oh, he says, I, I can't remember right now. It's a long time ago I had this conversation with him. Um, he said, I, I support maybe 10. I, let, let me just, I'll throw a number. I don't remember. And I said to him, I said, and now you want to you wanna stop your business, right? And you want to go into ministry full time, right? And he says, yes. And I said, okay. I said, fine. I said, that's possible. I said, now who's going to support these people that you've been supporting? Who's, who's going to take over for you to do that? By the end of our breakfast, this guy came to realize that he was more in ministry than almost anybody he knew. His ministry was supporting all these missionaries. And he decided, I think I helped him, he decided that he was going to make more money than he ever dreamed. He was going to work harder so that, get this, he could support more missionaries. I told him that's far greater than anything I do. You want to work with the athletes, go ahead, but you're going to limit yourself to a a location here in in, in this area when you can reach this whole world. You see, he came to realize that the reason God allowed him, and he agreed that, 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 that he didn't work that much harder than some of his friends, and he was making money, crazy money. And he realized that it was God that gave him the, the ability to make this wealth and that, that he needed to share it. I'm saying the same thing to you. I'm saying that about your finances as well as about your spiritual gift. What God desires is not that you would give away everything, though. What He desires, though, is for you and me to have a proper perspective on handling uh, the treasures that He has given to us. And especially in connection with your church. Let me tell you, straight up, you have money, you, you support the church first. If you have extra money after that that you want to give away, then you can support others. But Church first. Church first. Church first. I want to teach you a great truth right here. This has nothing to do with the with Bible. Listen, whether it be your material gift, money, or whether it be your spiritual gift, what God has given to you. In my case, it's teaching. I'm not to hoard it. Here's what I want to do. I want to go... I want to be bankrupt. I want to preach the last message. If this is the last message, I would love to fall dead on the pulpit. I told you that before. I know it's gross, and I know it'll probably really freak you out, but I'd love to preach the last thing that God's going to give me and go, boom, that's it, he's dead. Good, bring in Rob. It's it, he's done. 
I want it to be just that fast. Whether it be my spiritual gifts or my material gifts, I want to I be bankrupt when I leave. You see, whether it be your material gift or your spiritual gift, they're both the same before God. He has given it to you. People like not to think this. And both are to be used to further the kingdom of God. So whether it be your money or your spiritual gifts, they're both to build the kingdom of God and to be used for the glory of God. Did you think differently? Did you think that perhaps the money that you made was for your own pleasure? Now, for those of us who are not so rich here, don't sit here, let's not sit here smug, neither you nor me, and think that we don't have the responsibility. If I had the money, I'd give, but I don't, so let the other guys give. No, no, no. We all have the responsibility to give. Because of our lack of money does not take us off the hook. You see, both rich and poor, all of us are to use our gifts, both spiritual gifts as well as the material gifts that we have to help build up the kingdom of God. There is a man here at this church. I don't know who, even who he is. I don't know. If he's here this morning, I don't know. I only have heard this story. He was out of a job for two years as I've heard this story related to me. And for faithfully, for two years, while he was out of a job, he gave to the Lord each week whatever percentage he chose to give to the Lord out of his poverty. For two years, asking the Lord for a job, asking the Lord for a job, proper job, give me a job. For two years, he came to this church and gave out of his poverty. After two years, I was told this gentleman was given a job that was unbelievable. And now he gives to this church every week more than he ever dreamt he could give. You see, not having for those two years did not, was not an excuse for him not to give. Just as foolish as it would be as, as if I were poor and had nothing to give, therefore I wouldn't use my spiritual gift. I'm to use them both. And let's say my spiritual gift isn't all that good. I'm still used to, I'm supposed to use it. I'm still, I'm still to use it for the glory of God. We can't use an excuse that, oh, I, I don't do that as good as that other person, so I can't be used by God. It's just an excuse so you don't have to work really normally. We do not have an excuse not to be faithfully used by God. The other day when I took my wife out, when the bill came, when the bill came, this woman treated us so kindly you would, you would have thought we were her only two customers. I mean, she was adorable. I would have loved to have taken her home as a friend. I felt terrible that I stiffed her and didn't give her a tip. Oh, I gave her a tip. Of course I, I gave her a tip. Of course I did. This, this woman wasn't working for nothing. I'll, I'm not going to tell you what percent I gave her, but I, I gave her a tip. So much so that she 
When we left, she said, thanks. Uh, coming back? <laughs> Probably not, because, no, it was, no, it was just not a place that we frequent. It was fairly expensive. Look at if I tipped a waitress that percentage, what, what should I give him? What should you? Do we give him? Oh, gosh, I left my money at home. You give him out of this. Or do you write a check every, every week? Or do you do as my wife and I do, and we, we have it taken out of our, so it's not even a responsibility. It is given immediately. Off of the top. I shouldn't be preaching this message to you. I get it. I should come back and preach this. You know, you know what? We shouldn't come next week. I'll come. You guys shouldn't even come next week, and I'll do the same thing to those that do come. They probably should hear it. Paul says, don't be conceited on the money that you have. Don't. Don't fix your hope on the money. That's uncertainty. Rather, fix your hope on God, he says. Lord tells this parable about this guy. You know, Rob, this is something you should teach sometime. You do parables so doggone well. In Luke chapter 12, there's this parable about a man. He's rich. He's really rich, and he's very productive. And he reasoned with himself. He said, you know, I don't have any place to store all of my stuff. You know the parable? He says, I ought to build what? Bigger barns. I ought to build some bigger barns so as to store my stuff. So he did. And then he said to himself, soul? <laughs> Boy, as wealthy as could be. He says, I've, you know what? I've laid up all I could lay up. You know what I think I'll do? I think I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I think I'm going to be merry. I think I'm going to take my ease. In other words, I think I'll stop producing. I think I'll stop. Stop. I'm going to stop this flow that God's given to me. I'm going to stop. The Lord said to him, you fool. I'm going to quote it to you. Verse 20 of Luke 12, 18, you, you fool, God says, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who's going to own what you've prepared? The Lord says, so is the man who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Do not store up for yourself treasures on this earth where moth and rust will destroy, where thieves will break in and steal, folks. Don't do that. Rather, our Lord says in the Sermon on the Mount, store up for yourselves treasures which are in heaven where neither moth nor rust will destroy nor where thieves will break in or steal. Because he says, where your treasure is, what? That's where you're going to find your heart. And so he says in verses 20 and 21, Timothy or John, you guard what's been entrusted to you. 
You avoid worldly and empty chatter. You avoid the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and thus have gone astray from the faith. Rather, you stay true to where your call is. You willing to stay true to your call? Are you? Ooh, do you know your call? Ooh, feel sorry if you don't. So much fun knowing your call. You can kind of relax at night. You have a barometer whether you've uh, fulfilled everything that you were called to do. Do you know your call? You've got a year in 2011 ahead of you. You should, should perhaps try to seek and find out what is your call in life and uh, how do you handle the stewardship that has been given to you of your finances and your spiritual gifts. It'd be a great year to have a, a fulfilling year with the Lord, wouldn't it? The year 2011, think he might come back? Ooh, I would hope. Now, if he does come back tonight, I want to tell you this morning, I love you. I want to say to you, I love you with all my heart. So that if I die today, I don't have to worry whether I told you I loved you or not. I kissed my grandson and my granddaughter last night like I'd never see him again. Oh, I'm going to see him again more than likely. I kissed, I kissed my, no, my son kissed me. My son, my 30-some-year-old son kissed me last night like he'd never see me again. That's pretty said to you I didn't get any gifts. I lied. Got the gift of love. Didn't expect this. Father, bless us, please. As we go towards this next year, may we finally take seriously our call. May we finally take seriously the treasures that you've given us and the gifts, the spiritual gifts that you've given us so that we don't hoard anything, but rather so that we give it away. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks for being here. I love you very much. Happy New Year. I'll see you next year, I guess. Huh? Have a good day.